0: Hey, if you're just again, just joining us, we just started a new book. Happens to be my favorite book, Titus. And uh, we've only done one teaching so far here in the book of Titus, of chapter one. We took the first nine verses last week. Today, we will pick back up where we left off and we'll do verses 10 through 16. Uh, So, uh, if you would like, I'm going to read all the verses that we're going to cover today and we will go back and we will touch on. So that way, uh, if you're new, you're catching up here with us here and following along. So, Titus chapter 1, verse 10. For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. This ministry is true, or this testimony, sorry, this testimony is true, therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. To the pure all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving nothing is pure, but even their mind and conscience are defiled." They profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being an abominable, disobedient, disqualified for every good work. Father, we come to you, and as we open up your word, we ask you, as you've sent the Holy Spirit, to move in a mighty way in the hearts of your people, And by and through your word, you would speak clearly to each and every person who hears your word. Do a fresh work in their hearts, Lord. Do and have your way. I pray each of us have ears to hear now, hearts soft enough to receive from you now. And that you, people would just allow you to work in their hearts, that only the way you as the great surgeon can cut away and and slice and dice in a way so gentle and loving and caring to each of our souls and spirit. We thank you and and praise you this day in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. In the book of Titus, Paul writes to the importance of having order within the church. It's one of his epistles to elders, as you know, and he's writing to a young pastor, a young man named Titus, someone he refers to, Paul refers to as a man or a son of the faith. Meaning he probably led Titus to the faith and, and from there discipled him up in the ministry and now Titus finds himself a young pastor being challenged. In the ministry, but asked to stay in uh, on the island of Crete to bring order to the churches on the island of Crete. And with, with that, Paul gives this letter to him, the uh, we call the book of Titus or the epistle to Titus, to help him and the church body to understand what. Changes need to be made or warnings that are need to be happened because of the fact that they're dealing with false teachers is one of their issues. Now we will look at the fact that Paul writes to Titus and talks about having order in the church and it begins with leadership of that church. That's chapter 1 of Titus. Then we will look at the importance of discipleship in chapter 2. And then we will look at stewardship in chapter 3. All three are very important to have a healthy church for Christ. Apart from those things, you're going to have some challenges within a church. And we took the first part, verses 1-9, through and talked about how important it was for Titus to appoint um, godly men in positions of eldership to be the spiritual leaders of the church. We went through that. If you did not see or hear that teaching, I highly recommend you go back and listen to that teaching. Today we take the second part of chapter 1 of leadership, and not only was he appointing elders, but we see why it was so important to have good, solid elders in the church. To deal with the false teachers that were creeping in to the church and causing all kinds of problems to the people. It's never good to have a weak shepherd who will not address when the wolves keep coming around the sheep and looking to devour the sheep. That shepherd must be strong enough to take and deal with those wolves or bears. And we will find out Titus needed to learn and to be encouraged to do such a thing as we look at Paul's letter to Titus. We see Paul left his son of faith, Titus, here. And if we also understand that as we will look at where the the history or where it began, the believers there on this island of Crete, to ensure a solid foundation is in place for the local church to continue to grow and to mature and prosper in regards to reaching those in the lost, those who are lost and don't know who Jesus Christ is, but encouraging those and making sure they stay solid for walking and and continuing to be uh, following Jesus on on their new path of being saved. Uh, and when did, we saw that probably originally was founded on the day of Pentecost, as we celebrated that last week, when the Cretans in Jerusalem heard the Spirit preach the gospel in their own language when the day of Pentecost happened there in Acts 2, verse 11, and were converted. By at that point, that was the birth of the church. People and that people from Crete went back and started sharing the gospel, and that's where the churches were uh, established. This letter to Titus was the instruction and in the, ex, uh, the exhortation or encouragement from Paul to Titus to ensure good work of God was begun and will continue to be, uh, be about with a solid establishment within that church based on God's truth. That was the most important as we've studied in verses 1 through 9 that you can establish a church but if it's not established on God's truth then that is really not a healthy church. I don't care how good an entertainment it is. I don't care how great the music is. I don't care how beautiful the building is. It is not a healthy church based on that. It's based upon the understanding and knowledge and application of the Word of God. That's what makes a healthy church. And for that to happen, again... Paul makes it very clear to us, it starts with leadership, teaching the word of God and only the word of God, and then discipling those up in the word for them to have maturity and growth, which will then result in the people wanting to be good stewards of their time and their money and their resources that God gives them for his kingdom. And don't lose track of it, because that's the simple outline of this epistle as we go through. Paul's instructing Timothy for three things here. First is to set in order the things that are lacking. We saw that in verses, uh, uh, in the first part of, uh, of the section that we of chapter 1. But what was it they were lacking? I believe what was lacking in this church, because there was no order, they were lacking good solid fellowship, they were uh, missing out on solid discipleship, and they didn't know how to serve God. And so those things were lacking. So Titus was going to be planted there as an elder and appoint good, solid elders to help encourage that within the church. The second thing is, is that he was to appoint elders and who met the qualifications for that position of eldership, and you saw that to be a pastor, you had to meet at least those qualifications in verses five through nine. You certainly can go back to 1 Timothy chapter three when he wrote to Timothy the other qualifications. Some overlap, there's some there on that list that's not on this list here. The second thing was their elders needed to be strong leaders in the church of Crete and to do what? Preach doctrinal teaching. Truth. It had to be solid, it had to be healthy, but it had to be a solid truth of the, of the Word of God and not their own opinions. Not of the culture, not of all these psychological babble that goes on that we see today creeping into the churches. We must teach the word of God, the people, what feeds, what is the power is in the word of God. It needs to be fed. You need to to partake of it. So you are not dried up. That you're not going to wither away and go back into the world and act like the world and be cardinal. As we will see many people had or did. The third thing is that once these pastors were established once they're preaching solid healthy doctrinal teaching to the people they must as elders be addressing false teachers in the church because they will creep in it's only a matter of time because we see the simplicity of church government outlined really simple like to Titus from Paul and that is church leaders of godly character are to guide instruct, and protect the sheep of the church. That is what an elder does. That's what a pastor does. A leader was to hold fast the faithful word as he was taught that he may be able to, by sound doctrine, God's truth, both exhort and to convict or convince those who contradict the word of God. So when people say, who's the pastors? What do they think they do?" doing coming up here? And, and, and I tell them I'm living with my girlfriend and we're, we're meant to be together. How why would, they, why would they even tell me that's not right? I mean, it's not un- uncommon to hear that many times. We love each other. God knows we love each other. Marriage is no big deal. Well, the word of God says this. And and we're convinced or convict by the word of God that you're living in a way that is not pleasing to God. You need to understand the word of God, and you need to apply it and to change. If not, you're not pleasing God. And that's what an elder do is to help warn you. You realize you're destroying your life, and you're just accepting world culture. If the pastor of that church knows you're living in sin and doesn't lovingly come along and instruct you what the word of God says about that, knowingly, blatantly, openly, Know That pastor should not be a pastor. I'm just telling you right now, that person should not be in the pulpit, they should not be teaching, they should not be in the ministry. Because they're not doing what God's called them to do. And I love pastors. <laughs> the last thing I want them to do is understand, because if I know a pastor is not going to teach the Word of God, I'm coming alongside that elder and letting them know that you're going to be judged more harshly as an elder by God for not doing what the Word of God says. That's the way it is. Regardless of how I feel, regardless of how you feel, that's that's truth. And so if you really love them, a pastor's going to not hold back, but pray and ask for opportunities to how to encourage them to look at the Word of God and make change according to the Word of God. So we see here the standard for shepherds has high are very, very high because of their tremendous impact on you, the sheep if they're not doing it right it will infe- uh, the leadership will affect you as the sheep within the church they have a tremendous responsibility and also remember wherever god sows the truth of god his where his word is preached just know this satan will absolutely will be quick to come in and sow lies within that church it's only a matter of time people are, Satan is going to send people here to try to go against the word of God. And my brothers and my sisters who have come here all the time, you are healthy, I'm not concerned. As soon as a wolf shows up, a false teacher, you're going to smell them and you're going to call them out on it very quickly if they try to tell you something that goes against the word of God. I just know you are. You're going to, don't worry about these things. But as a shepherd, I'm watching as well to make sure that no wolves come in and creep into the church. And that's what Paul's saying to Titus. Get some solid leadership in place. Keep an eye on the sheep. Satan is going to be coming in and sowing lies and these false teachers are coming and we're going to see the details here because now Titus will face these false teachers just like he told 1 Timothy in those letters to face these false teachers that are creeping into the church and say and, and be, be careful of these man-made traditions that are trying to be sowed into the church. Be careful of that. Watch out the, for the mysticism that's creeping into the church. Watch out those, for those false teachers watch out for the Jewish legalists watch out for the legalists because the legalists are going to be creeping in be careful of that and he will deal with these legalists and these religionists guarantee Titus you have to deal with them because if they creep in and take any any hold it's going to destroy the church so the question is: Is what are they are like? What are these false teachers like? What are these legalists? What are these religionists? What are they like? And why is it so important for Titus to appoint solid, qualified leaders? Well, we see it right here in verse ten: For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision. So we see right up front in verse ten, God has established order in. And around authority in several different areas of people's lives. God has put authority, an order of authority, not only in the home, what we see in the scripture. But we see that there's an order of authority in the church. There's an order of authority in the workplace. There is authority in the community. There is authority. There's order. When you take away the order, you don't want to do anything with authority. You have what? lawlessness chaos and confusion hello (laughs) that is happening in so many families in so many churches and so many in the community and workplace today why because people do not want to follow have authority and follow authority within those workplace but God set them up to have authority God's designed an order of authority in these areas. And if you go against it, you're going to spiral down as an individual. It's only a matter of time and that 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 environment. God wants us to recognize that places where he has placed an order of authority in our lives, and he wants us to submit to that authority, but many will not. And Paul outlines what they look like. He says, they will be, many will be insubordinate. What does that mean to be insubordinate? It's someone who will not submit. There's another word in the Greek, rebellious. I rebel, I refuse, I will not submit to the authority in the church. Well, I don't do it at home, and I don't do it in the workplace, and I don't do it in my community. Why would you think you would even do it in the church? But God says this is an order of authority, and these people are going to creep into the church, and they're going to be insubordinate. They will not listen to the leaders appointed of that church. Who do you think you are? I'll do whatever I want to do. I can say whatever I want to do. I'll do whatever I want to do. And I'll serve however I want to. You don't have a say. I'm going to, but I'm going to show up at your place. You know how many times that's happened over the years, of ten years of just this church being established? I lost count. <laughs> I don't even count. Because it happens all the time. Why? Because it's nothing new under the sun. There were insubordinate people back then, and there are insubordinate people today. It's just the way it is, and that's why we have the Word of God today to help instruct us, to encourage us not to worry. God is in control. We just have to do it God's way. But these people are rebellious people. We, we talked about this on Thursday night with the men on the doctrine of, uh, of, of Satan and, and demonic forces and the, what the Word of God says. Why did, why did Satan, what was the characteristic of Satan. He was rebellious. He went against the authority of God. So there's nothing new. It's where it starts. God said to Eve, don't and Adam, don't touch the tree. They went against authority. They were rebellious and they took to the t- t- touch the tree. We're all affected by that. So there's nothing new. It's not something new. Paul had nothing good to say about these insubordinate these false teachers whatsoever. Also, they're idle talkers and deceivers. What they said and how they said it impressed people. Amazing what these people can say. Look at how much they know the Word of God. Oh, look at how beautifully they communicate and talk, and doesn't it just they move you? And they're just, aren't they funny and entertaining and all these things? And they're just the nicest people. I mean, you can go on and on and on and describe these people who are impressive. But their content and substance of what they're teaching is empty. It's just wah, 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 wah. You might be entertained. You might have some interesting facts and and lots of news clips and some props to help and entertain you to do it. But when you sit there and listen to the content of what they're saying, it's not biblically based. They don't even reference the God almighty or Jesus his name. It's not in the music, it's not in the words. They don't they open up, they only they might reference one scripture and then go off on a tangent and talk about everything else but what they just read. It's empty. There's no contents. There's no substance. It's just hot air up there that they're teaching. They excel in talking, but they do nothing in doing. They say this but their lives do not reflect of it. It's not a good thing. But this is a description of the false teachers creeping into the church. They are not they have no problem telling other people what to do. But they do not do it for themselves. These difficult people that creep into the church will make themselves known by their foolish speech and by their deception. You just have to just get to know them. You'll know very quickly where they stand. The greatest tragedy was that they deceived people. They deceived people by their false doctrines that they were subtly sowing in and about the church. They claim to be teaching the truth, but they don't teach God's truth, but their own ideas and their own ways to bring attention to themselves. We must remember, they were deceived by Satan, and then then they turn around and they do exactly what Satan did to them, they deceive others. That's what Paul is saying here very clearly in the scripture but all three of these important prominent characteristics of a false teacher were also present in Timothy's letters if you remember we just finished first and second Timothy Timothy's opposers, Timothy's aggressors, Timothy's uh, difficult people in, in, in Ephesus were the same people here on the island of Crete. So you couldn't sit there and say, oh man, Titus, you know, it's those people on the island. They're all islanders or like that, you know he goes, no, you are so isolated on the island, you've probably got a perfect little island experience. It's up in Ephesus in the world center. That's where all the problem people are. <laughs> we, might, we may say it this way. Oh, I don't live in New York City. That's where, that's where all the problem is. Not up in the nice little loving country of the north country. That, none of that happens up here. Hello? No happens everywhere where Satan deceives those people will turn around and will then deceive others who listen to them. But in Crete, Titus had a little something different than what Timothy had. If you notice in the, the different letters that we've been studying, Titus clearly faced some difficult types of as well as of uh, you know the islander kind of feel there that they had. But he, Paul mentions something more specific. He says there is a, especially those of the circumcision, if you notice that. This is the Jewish element. It seems like this Jewish element here of people from the Jewish Judaizers we refer to them has crept into the church and it become very apparent to Paul to share with Titus to watch out to these Judaizers These people who may have been Jewish got saved, but kept teaching that for you to really please God, you still had to do everything that the Jewish faith does. You have to now be saved, yes, you need to put trust in Jesus Christ, but you also have to do all these things. That's the only way you can please God. That's a legalist. That's the challenge they were having as people creeped into the church. Paul was apparently concerned with the effects that some Christians, especially the Jewish background ones, were going to deceive and cause confusion within that because they're going around saying, you're not keeping the law of Moses. I know you love Jesus, but you're not keeping the law of Moses. Moses. I know you love Jesus, but you're not doing our traditions that we've always done in the Jewish faith. Legalists were creeping in. Religionists keep creeping in. The word subordinate and the of, of the circumcision together brings it to a point where we see that it can be very challenging for those coming out of a specific religion or a certain faith. And I say that because we can understand why it might have been difficult for these Christians to break away from what they were raised up in their whole life. We see it around here with Catholicism. Many people here were once Catholics. And it was very difficult to make the transition away from that religion and keep your eyes on the focus of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because you want to know Jesus, but then you kept saying, well, why don't we do these other things I used to grew up with? Well, because it's not biblical. That's why we don't do it. Well, the Jewish had the same problem. I want Jesus, but I still want to do those rituals and man-made things that the rabbis came up with because it kind of, it kind of makes me feel kind of traditional kind of feel. I like it. We don't usually do stained glass, but they're biblical here. They're over a hundred years old. You just don't get rid of a hundred years old stained glass in a building that God gave us. But do I need stained glass to have a church? Absolutely not. We could be outside if the elements will be like Hawaii all 365 days. We'd be outside. Trust me, we would. With my Hawaiian shirt on. Which I'm going to break out here soon because the warmth is coming and I'll have my Hawaiian shirts on here soon. I know I will. But we see here that these individuals who were coming out of Judaism had some difficult times trying to make the shift and make the transition out of their religi- religiosity mentality, legalistic mentality, and understanding God's grace. But you notice this, though, when you look at the pagans who got saved, Christian, now Christians, they had no problems. Why? because they understood how dark and how bad their life was as a pagan who worshiped false gods it was very clear to them when I got saved I was a pure pagan (laughs) and when the God turned the light on for me when I heard the word of God it was completely night and day for me I had no religious background at all So it was very clear to me what the Word of God is, and I had no struggles. I need this, and I don't want the world anymore. I want Jesus, and I don't want my flesh to rule me anymore. It was very clear for me. Where some of you had religion background. You're still battling your flesh. You're still battling the world. But you're also battling old information that's not biblical that may have been planted in your head your whole life. And it's going to take time. Let me encourage you. Keep showing up regardless of how you feel. The word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit is going to transform your mind and your heart so you are biblically in line with sound doctrine of the word of God. Let me encourage you to keep coming. Don't get discouraged. Keep coming. Verse 11. We see that Timothy, I mean Timothy, Titus needs to really listen to what Paul says. Paul says to Timothy, whose mouths, these false teachers, these mouths must be stopped. <laughs> he makes it very clear. May be stopped, who subvert whole households teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. So the mouths must be stopped of those who preach legalism. Those who preach People to be back into this religious bondage that they were coming out of. They need to make sure that they do not get distracted away from the pure word of God. And so these people were coming in. He says, Titus, you must shut them up. That's what you and the elders are to do. You hear someone creeping in the church, talking about how you need to dress a certain way, you can only eat certain foods, you can only go to church on certain days, and you can, all of these things that come in, you don't sit there passively go, oh man, what am I, how am I going to deal with this? I'm not sure what to say. I'm not. How am I going to do Paul makes it clear. You go and you confront and you shut their mouths up. You go, we had someone coming in from a false religion came in, and I'll welcome them in. I have no problem. Come in, sit with your nice starch white shirt with your little badge. I'm okay with that. Sit. I want you to hear the word of God because the Holy Spirit can change your lives. But don't be sharing your false doctrine with the people here. If that's what your intention is, you might as well get up and take your badge and out of here. But those are easy people to know because they're making it very clear what their purpose is here for. But those ones who come in who do not have a badge. They smell like a Christian. They talk like a Christian. They say they're a Christian. But when you start listening to them talk to people, they're looking for people who they can pray on. If an elder sees it, they're to go and shut their mouth up. Meaning, don't be talking like that. If you want to be here, come and sit, listen to the Word of God, be transformed, be changed, learn the truths of God. Because let me show you lovingly why what you're teaching is not biblical. Please be open and listening. Some are, some are not. But Timothy was not. I mean, Timothy. Ooh, you can tell I've been t- teaching Timothy for, for for a couple of letters. <laughs> Titus, <laughs> Titus, Titus knew clearly what he was supposed to do and what he was supposed to teach his elders to do when it comes to people of false teaching. They are supposed to address it by closing their mouths up. They cannot. Why? Because in those days, they would go from household to household to household. They didn't have a big, beautiful building. They went from house to house, and that's how they crept around. Uh, we we call them home fellowships, So we call them you know be very careful because they kind of go into these home fellowships and try to have their 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 platform. They have their, uh, their, their little block that can stand up. They go to these different uh, ladies' t- you know, teachings or the men's uh, fellowships and stuff. They're looking for any opportunity to share what they've been researching, and it goes completely against the Word of God, and they look for a platform to teach those 5, 10, 15 people gathering here and there. Well, those who are in charge of those home fellowships, Paul, uh, t- uh, Paul tells Titus, Tell your elders who are over those fellowships to close up, stop that conversation because they're unbiblical. It's false doctrine. Don't let it keep going. Don't be passive. You need to step forward and engage them because you do not want false teaching to creep into the church or into these houses as we see here. Why? Because they were teaching things which they ought not. But what was their motive? Look at the end of 11. Their motive of why they were doing what they were doing as false teachers is for the sake of dishonest gain. The language here in the Greek is financial gain. They were looking to try to get people to follow them so they can go start their own little home fellowship. That's how it works. They'll permeate a church, go to this house, to house, to house, so that they can pick off one by one by one and start inviting them to their house for just dinner or just this, so they can continue to spread this this false teaching so that they can gain their own little house fellowship. Nothing new under the sun, but this is what happened. And so, Paul, uh, so Titus, Paul tells Titus, you must go in there because they're teaching what? First, false doctrine. They shouldn't be doing that. Two, they're being insubordinate. They are teaching that, oh, you don't have to listen to the authority of what the Word of God is saying. You don't need to listen to the authority of, of the elder who's appointed over that church. You don't need to listen to anything. Do whatever you want to. God is in control of your life. And that is true. God is in control of your life. If you're really letting God be in control of your life. Hello? And so what he says here, and and the third thing is that they're unprofitable. 1 Timothy 1.4, Paul warned Timothy to not give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in the faith. So these false teachers were creeping in and say, "Oh, let's talk about the genealogies." Okay, I teach where it shows genealogies. I teach the genealogies. But do I go beyond what the genealogies is and go research and find something else that doesn't even pertain or maybe even even pertinent from the word of God? No. How about fables? How about men's traditions? You're going to dress like that when you come to church? Really? I mean, these little things are so subtle. But it happens in many churches. There are certain spiritual subjects that are not edifying, Paul says. They're not profitable. All they do is cause speculations or they cause arguments among the people and Titus found men teaching things they ought not to he was supposed to stop them correct them and encourage them back to the word of God but he also Paul makes it very clear they do it because they want dishonest gain they want people to follow them because then they can get money from the sheep happens a lot I get a lot of emails. We would like to come or happen to be in the neighborhood, and we would love to come into your church, and we want to tell them about our ministry and tell them what God's doing in and through. You do a little research, and you can quickly find out. There is absolutely no way that person will ever step into this church, let alone behind this pulpit, because I know what their, their agenda is. It's very clear on their website what they believe. And it doesn't line up with the Word of God. But they do it because they want to come in and ask you to give them money. Money, 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 money. Give me the money. There's a song after that, but I won't sing it. (laughs) But that's the motive of the heart. Sometimes you don't always know what and why they're doing what they're doing. Do they do it for the motivation of money? I'll tell you, you know me well. You know it drives me crazy That people would get into the pulpit and get into ministry for the money. Drives me crazy. Because this is not what God's meant for his people, his pastors to do, is to do it for the money. It is to serve his people. Yes. Yes. God will take care of through the needs of what we know scripturally, how do the pastors be taken care of, but you don't go around being dishonest gain and trying to get people to follow and go from house to house or church to church looking to figure out how to gain and get something from the church for you. We also know not only financial gain, but you can also have an emotional dishonest gain. People will come into the ministry and be false teachers because what they do is they're looking for this emotional high of power in the church. They're looking for this controlling factor. I can control people within the church. Or I can be I have this notoriety that I am a pastor of a church. Hello, in today's world it's not good to be a pastor, you know that. It goes completely against the majority of the population, really doesn't see pastors. It used to be high on the integrity level of as being a pastor, and everyone respected pastors. Today, pastors are way down on the list. of They put a lot of other people above that position of a pastor. But the problem is, as we see it in Romans 12.3, these people think more highly of themselves than they ought to. They're looking for They could never be a CEO of a company. They probably could never be anything in charge of anything, but they think in the ministry somehow that's easy, and you'll get into the ministry, and that's where you'll get the control, the power, the money, and the prestige and notary, and that is what they pursue it to be. That is very wrong. As Paul said, it's very wrong in God's standards, of course. Verse 12. One of them... Now, this is interesting, cuddle kind of twist here. Paul points out one of the people from Crete, what they say about the Cretans there on the island. He says, right here, one of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. How would you like to have someone in your community say, Watertown? They're just always liars up there in Watertown, in Jefferson County. They're they're not only beasts, they're, they're, they're evil beasts up there. They're not just gluttons, they're lazy gluttons. So Paul points out to Titus what he's heard from one of their prophets. One of their religious leaders, one of the messengers of God for them. He says, in verse 13, this testimony is true. <laughs> so Paul doesn't have a whole lot of nice words to say about the people, the Cretans in, on this island. He says the testimony is true. These people are always liars. They are evil beasts. They are lazy gluttons. We call it island. <laughs> island, what is it called? Um, island, island time. Right? You just kind of come when you go. If you've ever been on the island, you know what I'm talking about. But he says the testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply. That they may be sound in the faith. Notice the heart here. Paul didn't say, take off their head. And then throw them out the door. He says... You see these people coming in and they're doing what they're doing. And you see all the signs and what they're trying to do to teach false, teach false doctrine to the people. You sharply go right for the key point of what they're teaching on. Call them out on it quickly, swiftly, for this purpose. So that they will be made sound in the faith. It's not to take their head off and send them out, but to get them to come back to sound, healthy doctrine in the word of God. Again, we show grace. Because people who come here, we don't ask you to show your membership card. (laughs) We don't don't ask you 20 million questions when you walk in and We don't. We want you to hear the word of God. And if this is where God is leading you to be, and this is where he wants you to grow and mature and to serve God, we'll get to know you. And you're going to come in with baggage, especially if you have religious baggage. You have a lot of baggage. You just don't know it. You just sit here long enough in the spirit of God while you teach verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, he will let you know you are holding on to a bunch of baggage. A 100-pound rucksack of no value sitting on your back. And he says, if you just give me your rucksack, the light will be much lo- lighter for you. If you just get up that give up that legalism and that religiosity, you'll be set free. Understand the grace of God. That's what Paul is telling Titus. Go out and love these people. Get them to be sound. Sound in the faith. Not confused in their faith. Not uncertain. Not doubts. That's from the enemy. But sound in the faith. Verse 14. Not giving heed to the Jewish fables. Don't They they won't succumb to the Jewish fables. They won't turn back to the man made religious stuff that they were taught and learned. They will let it go. They won't go back to that anymore. Or any of those Jewish commandments of men who turn from the truth. They won't do it anymore. They'll be set free. The ultimate goal of discipline should be to recover one who is in error. That is how the pastors are to treat, is to lovingly come and help you. This is error. What you just said was not right. Here's what the word of God says. Please understand what the word of God is. Do you have any questions? We see that in Galatians 6.1. We see that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Lovingly correcting to help them to have a good, solid foundation in their faith that is biblically based only. Not traditions of men. And not religion. Because what, one of the things that he mentions here, Paul, that has the contention in the churches of Crete, is this Jewish legalism. It wasn't centered on God's word. Every time they would come to church and listen to the pastor or whoever this person is teaching, were just teaching stories, fables, made up commandments that they some convention somewhere in the South came up with. They're just not sticking with the word of God. And that's what we want to encourage people to do. And we close here with verses 15 and 16. And it's again some characteristics of these difficult people. These false teachers that Paul says, Titus be very careful with. Verse 15, to the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, Nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God. That means they have a form of godliness. Have you heard that in the scriptures before? But in works, they deny him. Being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified For every good work. To the pure. All things are pure, Paul says. Attraction to legalism. These difficult people Titus will see and understand and will have to confront seems to believe that nothing is pure. You got these two mindsets. What's pure? Whatever you want. You can have whatever you want. It's all good. And then there's this other side who says, nothing's good. I don't care what you talk about, nothing's good, everything's bad. And you have these two viewpoints even today. People come in, everything's good, everything's bad. (laughs) But what is it based on? Is it based on the Word of God? Or just your opinion? So when we look at this... Paul is trying to teach Titus to uh, to understand that there's going to be those who are coming in that are defiled and unbelieving and that nothing is pure in their mindsets. Everything, their mind, their conscience are defiled. They have a reprobate mind. They're just out there in regards to what they think and how they think. They still say they're a Christian. But when you watch their lives and what they do as a Christian in the church, outside the church, and everywhere else, it doesn't line up with the scriptures at all. Have you ever met someone like that? Where you're watching and their lives and they're absolutely the word here, abominable, in the Greek, is not a, a light word. It means polluted by idolatry. It means it's detestable or disgusting. That's the that's the definition of an abominable. So here they say, are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. Hey, let's let's get together and have some party here. How many six packs do you drink a night? What drug of your choice? What nasty, disgusting, and what happens is if you look at their lives, you see that they're abominable. It was a Christian who, solidly planting in the word of God, will look at that and say, that's idolatry. That is disgusting to me. That is absolutely abominable to me. I'm not even, why would you even ask her, think I would be entertained with that? That completely does not please my God. There's no way I would do that. But these Christians, these false teachers, says, not a problem. You've heard me say this. I had to go and show someone because, oh, come on, pastor, this doesn't happen in the pulpit where the pastor has a wine and he's swirling the wine and smoking his cigar as he's teaching the word. That doesn't happen. I had to go pull up a video to show him it was happening. It's happening everywhere. How does that line up with you in the scripture if you know the scripture? Can you imagine if I was up here with a lager, a big one with you know beer, with my cigarette, you know, just hanging out with a, a marijuana because it's legal now? You th- you'd throw me out of this place and you should. Because it doesn't line up with the scriptures. But that's what was happening. They were abominable. Paul also said they're disobedient. It means they cannot and will not be persuaded. These people, these false teachers, you can sit there and show the word of God to them all day long and they will not be persuaded away from their false doctrine and points of view. They are absolutely in granite in regards to their, their beliefs. They can't show it in the scripture They can't prove it at all, scripturally. Or if they do, they twist the scriptures to try to justify it. But Paul says these are disobedient. Their minds have been made up. They will not face the truth. They have a reprobate mind. Not able to pass the test. That's what that means. He says the third characteristic, he says they're disqualified. A Greek word here, an ancient Greek word here is Adokimos, it means where the builders would take a stone. They will then look at that stone for that building and they start carving it and they realize that's a defective stone. It's not good. It's weak. It has many problems with it. It's not solid. And they would write an A on it to say That has to be discarded. It's disqualified. You can't use that stone in this building. It's not good. My brothers and sisters, anyone who teaches the word of God in this church has to be solid in the word of God. And they only teach the word of God. Because you as sheep only deserve the best food. Amen? Amen? If you think you want entertainment and stories and and stuff, this is not your place. You're not going to do well. But I assure you, if you just stay here and get a healthy diet, you will not want cotton candy ever again. You'll want the meat. Milk is for babies. You're adults. Grow and mature and learn to chew on the meat of the word of God. Baby's milk is taught solid teaching in the children's ministry. Now, I don't want to come across anything other than loving to you all, really. If you're here tonight, or today I should say, I know I've been teaching long enough to it could be tonight. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, today's the day of salvation for you. I know no doubt in my mind God is knocking at the door of your heart and he's saying to you, let me into my, your life and I will change and transform your life. Just accept me as your Lord and Savior. Repent of your sin and he'll set you free. Now, if you've been a Christian and you're saying, I'm a Christian and you haven't been growing and you're just now coming here for the very first time, Let me encourage you. We love you and we want you to grow in your knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is and you'll be so solid in the understanding of who God is and your love relationship with him will be so solid. It will transform your life like you've never had it before. So I welcome you and encourage you to stay. If you're just checking out churches, and watch what God can do in and through your life by the studying of the word of God. And it, would, it will just transform your life. Paul says to Titus, it's very, very important, Titus, that you teach the word. Paul made it clear to Titus he must be addressing false teacher. He was to be, not to be passively letting these people hang around the church. And not be addressed he was to watch them keep them understanding whatever it takes to make sure these false teachers didn't get any further than they can to spread anything false doctrine to the people he had to be aggressive sharp to the point and he must keep a watch of all the sheep all the time and the other elders to watch him all the time and when he sees something that's not right it must be addressed by the, to these false teachers. must be addressed. So what is he to do? Titus was to exhort and convict or convince them of solid doctrine. We saw that in verse 9 last week. They must understand God's truth can deal with Satan's lies that have been planted in your head. That's the first thing. Titus then needed to stop their mouths, shut them up. Don't let that false teaching just, just spread it the church. It's not right. It's not good. It Prevent them from teaching and spreading false doctrines, not only in the church, but any fellowship or anything that the people are gathering together outside the church. Make sure that you keep an eye on what's being said. And, and again, I don't worry about these things because the Holy Spirit always reveals these things to me. He always speaks to me these things. He always... Re, I mean... It's amazing how he does it. He gives me the discernment, the gift of discernment. I hear and see and know and watch. God shows me. I don't worry about these things. It's what God's called me to do as a shepherd. Titus was to do the same. We saw that in verse 11. Titus was to rebuke them sharply and have his spiritual sword ready. <laughs> verse 13, you see what's going on. You pick up your sword and you start coming and swing and say, wait, 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 wait. What you're saying is not right. Let me show you what the word of God says. Titus, you better be ready and all your uh, uh, pastors better be ready. Titus and Paul's purpose was to convince these false teachers and to get them to be sound in the faith. We want them to grow and mature and change so their, their thought process and understanding is in line with the scripture. We should do the same. We see that in verse 13 as well. Titus at the same time was to protect the church from these false teachers. False doctrine is a yeast. It is yeast, which is a form of, uh, in the scripture, is a symbol of sin. And if you let that sin, you let that yeast start even a bit loose and start growing uh, into the church body, it will grow quickly and permeate, permeate throughout the church. And then you will have great problems. You can go back and look at Galatians 5, 9 and that. How, what's the best way to deal with false doctrine? At the very beginning. I'll give you a simple application. Books are one way it creeps into the church. And I love you. I love you, all of you. Be very careful which books you share in this church. I prefer, if you have any doubt, if the books don't line up with the scripture, you pass it by me first. Because <laughs> if I find out certain authors are being passed around, that book disappears. <laughs> I'll reimburse you if you want me to, but that book's going to be disappearing because I'm not going to have false teaching spread by the women from book to book from men, book to book. Man, men don't read as much. I've never had a problem with men with book, passing book. I, dude, I got a book for you. You got to read this book. They usually don't have that problem. It's the ladies that go, oh, you won't believe the book. No, anyway, I, I know. I got to wrap it up here. In other churches, <laughs> those other church people course not here, had an attitude that says, it makes no difference what you believe, just as long as you believe something. Now, I, know, I know this is speaking to someone's heart, based on that statement alone. It doesn't matter what people believe, as long as they believe something. Isn't that good enough? Paul, and I will include myself, that is absolutely the most foolish thing you could ever say. That's what Paul would say to you. It does matter what you believe. If you believe false doctrine, it will affect your life, you do know that. And it will affect other people's lives around you. You know God's truth, it will affect your life. And it will affect all the people around you. So it does matter what you believe. You can choose what you want to believe because you and I have free choice. But one thing you cannot choose, and that is the consequence from your choice. You will face the consequence. John 8, verse 32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Did you know that? How important it is for pastors to watch and care for the sheep as well as watch and quickly, swiftly, sharply address and be addressing false teachers who would creep into the church.